On this episode of Off The Bit, we are joined by Group 1 winning trainer Kerry Parker. A great story with him. He's had a up and down 2018. We get to the bottom of that. We have all the NRL racing news, sport segments. Let's go. The views and opinions put forth in this podcast by Yellowman and Roy's Reese are our views and our views alone. There's no room here for scathing attacks on the information we provide or the bullshit that manifests. We take a lot harder walk through the vast yawning chasm that is racing and sport and life. And if you don't like it, well, free free to jog on. That's your man, Yellow Man. I'm your boy, Rosales Reese. This is the Off The Bit Podcast, and we prefer our listeners. Shaker, not scared. Not scared. Yeah, Mike, Mike, check, one, two, one, two, welcome back to the Off The Bit Podcast, this is episode 17, flying along, 17, we have a oh. 17 man, so that's 17 weeks, that's a long time. That is a long time. We're still, still doing this for free? Yeah. What? What's that? Someone huh? wants to come huh? on it. Huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> free, eh? Yeah. Huh? Mm. <laughs> We're joined by Group 1 winning trainer Kerry Parker in this episode, we just had a Unbelievable interview with him. Uh, we deep dive right into his personal life, how he started in racing, a great story. Real uh, salt of the earth, man. He is, yeah, and this is our thing. This is uh, mm. what we like. We like real people, and he is the epitome of that and epitome of, uh, of a professional. Uh, we also have our NRL QB is back after his one-week sanction. Not <laughs> sure how that's going to go, mate, but Hubie uh, is back, and let's hope he's I heard he went on a bit of a bender. Oh, without he didn't really a doubt, settle he down much. Yeah, yeah, but uh, he is. Look, it's one of those things. Like it's like a, he's like Johnny Depp rolling up on. <laughs> he's like Johnny Depp rolling up on set, just absolutely hammered. And then as soon as he gets in character, he's Captain Jack Sparrow. So you got to like you go. This guy's an absolute tool, but you got to do it because that's what the crowd wants. So Hubie is back. We've got racing and sport news. And uh, before we get into that. Um, what do you got? Yeah, I just want to give a quick shout out to our dear friend. We want to give a, a quick shout out to our dear friend, uh, Wayne Harrison, and friend of the show. Yes. Um, not doing too well in hospital. We send our wishes to his uh, family and himself. So Yeah, just... Uh, get well soon, Wayne. Um, love to have a chat with you more. Keep, yeah. Keep going, mate. A little bit of a lung infection or something like yeah, that, is it? Yeah, but uh, lung. Yeah. Don't know too much about it. Um, won't go on about it too much, but... Yeah, all, get, the, all the best, Wayne. Well, and also, um, uh, condolences to the family of Arnie Bowden, uh, prolific bookmaker and racing uh, owner and fanatic uh, all around the whole entire state, basically from from Metro down south. Uh, he passed away to motor neuron disease. Uh, very, uh, very much a shame. Uh, the Terry Robinson camp, who is a prolific owner with, as well as many stables around New South Wales, uh, thoughts and thoughts out to them as well as it affects everyone. So uh, it's very, very soon. Uh, but he was always always a big fan of any time his horse won that he'd uh, he'd have champagne. He'd call it bubbles. So have some bubbles up there, mate. Um, let's get on with the episode now. I have Cheery to, note. I have, Come yeah, on. let's yeah, let's pick it on, let's pick it on up now. Let's get a little bit a uh, little bit happy now. Uh, actually, this is probably the happiest thing I can be. Is is a lot of people have asking me still whether uh, this off the bit podcast is broadcast just on Facebook and uh, I. I we have to reiterate that we are on iTunes, and iTunes, if uh, a lot of people aren't privy to it, if you've got an iPhone, there's a uh, purple app, 
uh, that you uh, you click on it, just like all the apps in your iPhone. You uh, go ahead and uh, search in off the bit. Now, once once you get this, you are uh, <laughs> once you sub- subscribe to it, you get a whole entire discography of of all of our episodes. You can replay them, you can pause them, you can go to your favorite part, you can go to where we roast Rolls Reese a lot. That's <laughs> my favorite part, really. Where we yeah, so is it Nick, Nick mine Olive. too. Yeah. Nick Olive, what what do you pay for uh, for single gays, Nick Olive? I don't know. How about you tell me? <laughs> no, how, about, hey? uh, how about you go to <laughs> mate, iTunes mate, you now throw and any find number out. at me for that. Yeah. Uh, look, Jump uh, on. Also, Chuck is a five-star like. Um, five-star five rating. Five-star rating. It Com- really helps us a lot. Uh, yep. Builds us up in, in the in the ratings there. Yep. The more ratings we get, the and more popular it becomes, and it helps us a lot, guys. Yeah, and we're also on Instagram at Off The Bit Podcast, and uh, all of our inaudible jokes uh, get posted on there, anything you want to see with your own eyeballs. Uh, and on Twitter, we're at, at underscore off underscore the underscore bit. <laughs> And if you don't have us, I'm doing this now. I'm dedicating. This is a, an exclusive now. This is Yellow Man exclusive. I'm dedicating the rest of this afternoon when we finish recording. If you don't have to actually actively search for us on Twitter because I'll find you. I'll hunt you down and find you. I'm going to be just clicking like. I'm going to be like, I'm going to swipe right basically on everyone's yeah. Twitter. So look out for the off the bit people coming straight at you when your Twitter feed. Right. Racing. Racing. We've had a we've had a solid week. Sometimes it's really quiet and we're picking at anything. Yeah. This week we've had a very exciting week. Uh, yeah. first of all, which come out just after we've done our last show, Minari. Yes, Minari, tendon, gone. Out of, out of the Everest. Uh, out of the Everest. This happens every as soon as we finish recording like the the next big story. Oh, mate. Always. Always kicks us in the yeah. nuts. What else but, did we uh, miss? We missed uh, Nick Hall, he retired, so uh, R. I. P. to his hips. Because uh, he's had heaps of problems with R.I.P. Mm. Mm. Do you know what else? Just we, to his hips. Do you know what else the rest we of missed? Good. What? Which was one of my favourite lead-ups this week. And I, I was coming in this show. I had a whole lot of ammunition. I was ready oh, to fire. The media strike. Media strike. The jo- well, yeah, the, well, the jockey oh. the jockey strike in general. So anyone that's not aware of that, the, the jockeys in Melbourne Racing Victoria decided that uh, they wanted two hundred dollars. Well, two hundred dollars wasn't. They, they were getting paid two hundred dollars, and they enough. they wanted uh, some more on that. So. Yeah, and and which which was uh, look, it's fine because it's a dangerous occupation. But then it uh, reared its ugly head when Wayne uh, Hawks jumped on and said, oh, "Look, Craig Williams drives around in a BMW, and that you know jockeys are paid well enough." And then that sent everyone in uproar, including a lot of. Uh, mainstream jockeys that aren't the Group One well, level. I was going to say it's not all about the Group One Group no. One guys. It's it's those other guys. Yeah, yeah, the other guys, the Soul of the Earth guys, which are yeah. the off the bit guys. Yeah, we love those it's, guys. Uh, get get a bit lost lost in the in the essence. And now look, the best thing that came out of this was the actual pay rise itself. Eleven dollars. Uh, Eleven dollars. Yeah. Like I know. Look, Eleven dollars doesn't seem much. <coughs> excuse me. Per ride, you can't buy a pair of socks for eleven dollars. That's that per ride, but how many rides are they doing over the season? Oh yeah, but like you know, when, that, we, that's, when we that's spend all... it out, they might be able to pay that that real expensive car register they have. You know, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the poor guys. You know that. Yeah, but on his, eleven dollars. Uh, Couldn't uh, they make it fucking ten? I don't know what like, the, oh, yeah, it just I, I don't shits think, me. I, I think it's like it was, America still not sticking with the metric system. They, it's just yeah, they still got lowballed on that. Like uh, yeah. it's it's a this is the it's a dangerous dangerous occupation, and everyone that's everyone that I, I notice in the racing industry, you got trainers and owners that have their very stipulated views that jockeys. Uh, are there for that one specific purpose, but jockeys' lives can end in a blink of an instant. Where I think uh, owners and trainers, they can sort of 
successfully navigate getting to and from the races without having a, a, their life being threatened. And that's where it comes down to. Or, or uh, you know, I know a lot of jockeys that uh, get to the age of 40-odd uh, and their body's completely damaged and held together by metal, which I'm sure trainers <laughs> and owners don't really understand. So, um, look, in, in big-time sport, big you know, in, in NFL or in basketball, these guys get paid the max. They get paid multi-millions of dollars because their lifespan is very minimal. Uh, and for a jockey to say, look, I want $250 instead of 200 and, and to have it thrown back in their face is very offensive. And, and look, from an owner's point of view as well, it, it's not going to absolutely bust your balls on that. The the standard ride fee, they weren't asking for any more percentage of your, your winnings or yeah. anything like that. It's yeah. just an extra few dollars over. And look, most horses are syndicated these days anyway. So yeah. like out, out of most people's pockets, it's an extra dollar. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, come it, can, it comes from comes from the um, turf club themselves. It doesn't oh, come does from it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you are really are uh, wet beyond the ears, owner. Yeah. <laughs> Do you uh, drive a BMW? Me, mm. yeah. I drive a golf. That's his auto. Mm. Yeah. So that's uh, uh, look. It's it's a three year deal that's scheduled change in negotiations. And then, then, yeah. Then, the then, it, then it inflates a bit. They, they it? might. I reckon they might bump it up to like eleven seventy five or something like that. Hopefully, they're not bumping it up. Get it? Yeah. <laughs> get you in trouble, get your suspension it, it, on that It stuff. does, yeah, yeah. Uh, what else we got? We are on the, on the weekend, a bit of a murder ride. Yeah, look, I'm going to come out and say this. I'm going to be a little bit vocal about this. Kementari, love the horse. I reckon really has... I remember calling you uh, just after this happened. Yeah. it ha- This horse has and has had showed a lot of ability, and I'm just going to... I want to say it because everyone else is thinking it, Glenn Schofield, <laughs> get him off the back of that animal. Doesn't he's, know how to ride He's it. not the one. Like, there's a lot of good riders that we're very blessed in New South Wales to have a lot of a deep trough of uh, maybe 20 elite riders. Tw- 19 of them are better than Glenn Schofield. He, he can he can call it all he wants that he got a bit of a bad luck ride then, but he, he had every opportunity to make sure he had that horse in a much better position in that ride. He like, got held up. Come in like an absolute freight train. Yeah, I like, know. Like, yeah. come home, an extra... Shit if if he got that thing going a little bit earlier, yeah. got it into some ground, mate, that, it would have been over the line, done and dusted. I could and, say this about a million of his rides. It's not yeah. just Kementari, but uh, like he's eighth on the premiership. But Godolphin, a, a, a juggernaut, of, of ownership and, and racing in yeah. Australia. Like, how are you dipping down to the eighth, you know, uh, on the on the tail end of his career? He's on the way out. Why is this guy so prevalent? There's seven jockeys in the premiership above that can ride. Just, just get him off it, man. And get me off that subject because I'm about to On this, just just one more quick thing with the Everest as well. There's still a lot of hype about Kementari going into the Everest. Yeah. Like, for me, it's not his race. I don't think he'll ever be in it. But if he goes into it, now you've got J-Mac off uh, Minari. Minari. Mm-hmm. Are we going to see maybe if Kementari makes it in? He's going to jump on there? I think this is the best part about yeah. Look, uh, Or would you be worried if you're J-Mac? Are you still going to find yourself a decent ride? He'll be oh, fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah he'll, he'll find it. He's laying on his feet. Uh, I like it how Nick Williams quoted as saying that, uh, that the Everest was a bit of a gimmick. Uh, and it's not a, which is not, it's not tradition, traditional group one, no. but God damn it causes some talk and it has Doesn't everyone, it? it has everyone's yeah. mind going, which is where you don't get that with Melbourne Cups where yeah. you just got interstate so, Raiders. And, and that's the whole point of the thing is you just to create a bit of hype and look, they're doing something different, which is what we're trying to do as well. And it's got my backing. Yeah. Yep. On, uh, on, um, Godolphin as well. Mm-hmm. You watched your trials this morning? I, oh. Yep. <laughs> not that one, not that trial, but uh, Elise. Elise had a solid trial. Shut, 
Can we say it? No, not yet. I want to hold off. Okay, Alize, 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 this is four plates. Alize, Alize, let's, let's, Alize, okay, just we're just yeah, rimming yeah, at the moment. Yeah, yeah. You know? Okay, all right then. Let's just stick it in. Yeah, kiss me on the neck. Yeah, yeah. Alize had a really good trial. I liked it. Yeah, run, run solid. Is that a potential thing for the for the Everest? Do you think? Uh, there's so many. There's, like, there's it, just so. It is. Hey, <laughs> it's like a, like you drip, ripped open a bag of marbles and they just yeah, gone everywhere. Yeah, you know, nature strip. You know, there's there's so much happening. I love it. I love this part of this. Is my shit. What about trapeze artist? Finish finished third in his yeah. in his trial. What, yeah. what did you make of it though? Yeah, nice enough. Um, he he turns up game day trapeze. That's, that's what I was gonna say. He yeah. waits. He waits. He loves yeah. it first up too. That so horse is a he's beast. Still my. Like scares the shit out of me because I was like, I want to see what he does on the lead up to it, but you're not going to get to see it because he's going to go first up straight into the Everest. Yeah. Uh, d- and now we, we'll talk about Winks and then we'll we'll, yeah, we'll get yeah, to yeah. the, the Winks solid trial. We'll get Bruised to the sh- the sh- word, which um, <coughs> sh- uh, but Winks trialed very well. And you know what I liked a lot about this Winks trial? Was Hugh Bowman the- took the bubble wrap off. No, no. This is my take. Yeah. Hugh Bowman direct. Hugh Bowman guided Winks. <laughs> Close enough to Hartnell to break his heart in a oh, Poor old Hartnell. I love <laughs> he that. He manipulated his way. I was like, Hartnell was here just like plugging away, and here comes Winks again in a troll and just going to break do, his do heart. Do you again. think like Winks is just too oblivious, oblivious to it that she's absolutely just hurting Hartnell? She'd know, to, to, mate. Do you reckon? She'd know. I, I think she's just one of those like, she's kind of oblivious. She kind of seems like a nice enough person. Nah, She'll sign your nah, autograph, you know? No. Nah, nah, nah. Her, her and Black Caviar share the, share, share the same ilk of <laughs> when they would loom up outside him. Um, Black Caviar did it to Haylist and just shattered his heart, his knees, his throat, his legs. Uh, she just walked past him. Did it buffering a fair bit too. Yeah, bu- yeah buffering buffering come good though. She yeah, dead but... said she destroyed Haylist. <laughs> put it on record. She put Haylist in a grave. She <laughs> she did, man. Ooh. Like he he was out on his feet, that guy. But she she knew. She'd go past and go, I've got you. And Winks does that. And so does Huey. You know, when he went past, uh, was it uh, Christian Reith there and said, uh, cheerio, boy. Shataqua. <clears throat> Sorry, I had a bit of a cough there. All right, if you, we can do Shataqua if you don't say fuck. Huh? Hmm? What? No. I didn't hear that. Uh, Shataqua, uh, look, he's gone. He's gone, damn it. Has to be gone. Has to be. Though. Put a fork in him. On our way here. We did read a tweet. Yeah, yeah. That, that, uh, they're, they're still going to try. So Why? What, what they did, they forced him out of the barriers and they made him made him canter the whole way round just yeah. so he technically finished the trial. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. oh, my God. I don't know if a horse could talk. If, if that horse was, what's that horse, the Ed horse that used to talk Mr. back Red. in the day, yeah. Mr. Ed? Yeah, yeah. This horse was Mr. Ed. He'd be saying, get fucked. I don't want to race anymore. Yeah, see, see, this like, is a problem we get with Chautauqua. We swear to oh, God. Sorry, guys. Apologies. We're going to have to do go. another apology. I, I would say after, after eight and a half to $9 million, Q in the rack. Uh, we've, we've said this every week, though. Um, he'll be, like I said this, remember I said this last week, he'll trial again. And then I'll say it again, he'll trial again. So it's basically, it's I'm stuck ridiculous. in my own, I'm stuck in my own human centipede of my own, <laughs> human my own takes. But I, I want to, or, or, or is it uh, Groundhog Day? Ground Chautauqua Day? Very much the same, yeah. 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 It's uh, three more months of winter. Uh, here's my take on it. You want to hear my take yeah, on I'd this Chautauqua to. thing? That uh, he did successfully jump out in Melbourne, yeah. but it was only a jump out. <laughs> so he, I reckon he knows when it's actually an official trial. He just goes, oh. He's know, just trolling everybody? He knows. He's a smart man. He's just like, oh, I'm retiring, but I'm going out with a bang. Yeah. You know, you know gonna, that dude just that gonna was in the, mess with your head. Just in like, the office that just walks around, he's retiring soon, yeah. and just wants to stir the pot a bit. Yeah. We always talk about old guys when we talk we about Chautauqua. We Because old, old guys, guess what? They retire. And they're grey. Huh. 
Oh, Good. guys retire, huh? Funny that. Wonder. <laughs> I got another funny thing that happened this week as well, and we spoke about it last last uh, last podcast. What? There was a race that went Stanley. Walla 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 walla. Yes. The Guess 80, who won? eighty-eight benchmark. It was it was uh, the basically the way the field led. It was Chris Waller, Chris Waller, Chris Waller, all the way down, and Brent Stanley. And Chris, Brent Stanley was the winner. He took down the nine runners, nine runners My of Chris Waller, and beat them all. Favorite thing of the weekend. I was How in the was best it? mood after that. Yeah, you know? me too. Oh. And cheered him on too. And the a couple of them got oh, donkey mate, mate, good on it. I love that. Hey, uh, we've got an interview with Kerry Parker coming up now. Let's cross to that. And here we go. Okay, so we're joined by Group 1 winning trainer Kerry Parker. Kerry, thank you very much for joining us on Off The Bit. Uh, pleasure having you here, mate. It's been a whirlwind 2018, uh, but thanks, thanks for jumping on board. No, absolutely thrilled to be here with you guys. No, terrific. I hope that you're surviving the wind. It's uh, hurricane winds out there. It's a horrible, horrible time to be alive, <laughs> especially on a racetrack. Yeah, Kimbler's, Kimbler's known for it, and we're copying it today. So yeah. it's quite good just to button down the hatches and uh, let it blow around you. Yeah, this is good. This is what we like with our podcast. Uh, you know, we want to let the listeners out, out there know that uh, rain, hail or shine, you know, we're, we're in here, we're bunkered down for our safety, but we're still uh, doing the show. So... We're, uh, you know, thank you for our service, uh, but uh, we're getting through everything all right. So let's start with, uh, look, you, like I said at the start, you've had a, an, a very entertaining 2018. It's been a highlight and it's uh, been problematic, but I want to bring everyone that doesn't know, understand the Kerry Parker story. So what I'm going to do, mate, is... I just is... want to clear it up as well, because I told a lot of friends I was doing an interview with Kerry. Yes. It's not Kerry Packer. No, he's dead. No, it's not. No. Kerry Parker, the <laughs> yeah, horse not. trainer. It's not. Yeah, uh, I think. Remember, no, that, that art cost me millions, guys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> remember, yeah. No, I do remember that you had a, a walker. Remember that uh, the Iron Gate walker that was sent to you, and it was uh, had Kerry Packer written on it. That was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the same I got. The same I got the bill. Yeah, exactly. All right, so I'm going to surmise your career thus far in a neat little package, and I just want you to, uh, at the end of it, or interject in any time you think I'm getting it wrong. So, the uh, the brief career history of Kerry Parker. So we go uh, a boy born uh, in Kangaroo Valley there in uh, New South Wales South near Nara. Um, you took off at about 14 and nine months, decided to get on a train. You thought maybe that Kangaroo Valley was too small for you and you jumped on a train and headed towards Canterbury Racetrack or at least Canterbury uh, Train Station. And you got off there. Uh, for a start, 14 and nine months. Four, that's 14 years. 14 years old. Yeah, only a baby, mate. I was only a baby. What, what was the thought process you think back then that made you want to just go, you know what, I'm out of here and I think I've got this? Uh pretty much like a kid who thinks he knows everything. I just had enough of what I was doing and just thought, well, I'll just make a change. So I made a change and took off. Did you tell your parents you were going? No. No? <laughs> okay. Yeah, had, yeah, you, had you yeah, give them warning? 14, you? <laughs> had you, you give them fair warning? Was it like your fourth time? They're like, oh, he'll be back in a minute? No. Okay. No, I just I left in a pair of jeans and a T-shirt and had a pair of shorts and a jumper in the bag and away I went. That was you? Really? That Christ. was me. Off and gone. Okay, so you land in Canterbury, and I, I think at one stage uh, I mentioned—I uh, think you're mentioning to me that you slept uh, in the grandstand of Canterbury Racecourse with a horse rug underneath, uh, over the top of you. Is that—is that also correct? Yes, that's correct. I uh, feel sorry for the horse now, but I did feel like a horse <laughs> Did you take it off one, or was it just laying on the ground? It did better than I was going to. So uh, yeah, I uh, did uh, steal a rug off a horse in a 
in the yard and went, thank you, that'll do me for a night. So I, uh, yeah, slept under the rug there. Beautiful. True Kangaroo Valley style because there was no, uh, there's no torches or iPhone uh, torches there or anything, just like crept in and took one off them? That was yeah, it? yeah, exa- exactly like a little piece of night I was, mate. I was cold and needed something to climb under. <laughs> Sound uh, like a, a right little bugger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and w- at what stage that now we, uh, we'll condense it? So this leads you uh, into the uh, path of racing and horse racing. and uh, Obviously, like being a feral is basically the, uh, the first requirement we have in horse racing. So you, you tick that box right from the jump. Um, young kid. Yeah, I, I so, mate. That, that, that sorted me right out. That started me on the way, and away I went from there. I thought racing's got me written all over it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and they accommodated you, of course. I thought, I'm sure a lot of trainers went, oh, look at this little feral. He's, uh, you know, probably like 30 kilos ringing wet back then, you would have been. Um, yeah, I was. I think, I think I was 36 kilos when I left home. Yeah, okay. Jeez, I nearly, nearly got that. Yeah, mate, no meat on your bones there for the cold wind tonight, eh? <laughs> well, he had a rug. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Up here for thinking. Yeah, he done super. I, I like the way you packed a bag and didn't put any blankets or anything in it. Just like, oh, I'll get a rug when I get there. Super. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, well, I didn't know where I was going. So throughout your junior time, you did spend a bit of time there writing work at Canterbury, but you uh, ultimately ended up with uh, a champion trainer in his own right, Les Bridge. Now, from there, your career took a turn for uh, for the better, I guess, uh, f- at least for stability. Um, he took you in and, and uh, a lot of respect was shown uh, mutual. Uh, you had a great association with a horse called Drawn, who um, absolute champion with his inner right, a small little thing, um, just like you. So you got along good. Two yeah, little fellows. Exactly. We both had the same mannerism, mate. We, were, we weren't much. It wasn't a lot of us, but we were tough as nails. And that was, uh, I suppose that's what made me love him so much, you know, and I think that's, as you say, my career changed. I think that's when I started taking it a bit more serious, you know, and, and yeah. fell in love with the fell in love with the game. At what part there were you actually considering being a jockey? Uh, well, because I'd left home so abruptly, I couldn't do anything until I was eighteen because uh, I didn't have a parent to sign my indentures. Oh, okay. But, um, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So I was sort of left AWOL. Uh, by the time I was eighteen, I was just pushing too heavy, you know, like I. Yep. Uh, back then, you had to ride 46, like 49 minimum, less three. Yeah. So I was walking around probably 50, um, and not a lot of me still, but 50 kilos. Like nowadays, you make it easy, but I was always just too heavy. Yeah. Um, for back in that day, by the time I'd sort of got got to the right age where I could be signed up, I could sign myself up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So then, yeah. Uh, fr- fr- uh, so that was one thing that you accepted straight away, or you tried to fight it a little bit, or you just went, "Nah, it's not happening." Like growth spurts are growth spurts. Uh, once I, you realise, I had a, I had a couple of goes at trying to get the weight down to sort of see what I could do. You know, yeah. uh, as I got, I think the last time I had a go, well, I was twenty odd. You know, but yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it was always just, I was always just too heavy in that era. What, what did Mr. Bridge say to? Because he's a very stern talking individual. Did he just look at you and say, "You're kidding yourself, boy"? Uh <laughs> Not really. I think it was more, how'd that go, Jock? Yeah, okay. You know, <laughs> yeah. he was worried about. That was about his comment as you're coming off the track. How'd <laughs> okay. that go, Jock? Oh, yeah. Is that where you, <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that where you got that from? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'll blame him. I'll blame him then. He's heading out the hut. How'd that go, Jock? Yeah. That was about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, from there, you uh, went on a little bit of a walkabout tour around Australia, did the uh, usual... Uh, young Australian thing back then. You travelled around fruit picking and just lived your lived your best life. And you ended up back at Kemble yeah. Grange with a good mate of yours, David Van Dyke, who uh, at that stage uh, was David Hayes. 
Um, he started training. You were the track rider, best mate, assistant trainer, foreman, all rolled in one. And a good time you had there, I, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. No, we had a great uh, time there. We, we uh, Actually, David had uh, started training at Tembla before we went to work about. Um, oh, yep. And uh, that was around the time when uh, Drawn had retired and I'd been at uh, Los Bridges for uh, oh, probably pushing six years. Um, and Dave was down here struggling with work riders and that down at Kembla. So I thought, oh, I could do with a change. I'll come down for three months. Yeah. And that was probably 30 years ago. I'm still here. Well, what, what, um, what age were you then? What, what time frame are we talking? How old? Uh, that was, oh, I had my 21st year, so I was probably 20 when I come down here. That's nuts. So you've gone from a uh, yeah. 14-year-old kid in Kangaroo Valley to all the way to Sydney, and then by your 21st birthday, you're helping out your mate uh, who's training at Kembla, which back then wasn't yep. Kembla Grange like it is now. It was pretty uh, remote and not much happening there. No, no, no. There was, uh, we had an old Cinders track and uh, no lights and no nothing. It was... Uh, it was catch and kill your own back then. Yeah. So, so you, you've really gone the, the hard road on yeah, this game, haven't you? Yeah. What about his night vision? Like he's gone from like just pilfering a rug off a horse in the middle of the night. Now he's riding in the riding with no lights. Like he's he's a rabbit, the bloke. <laughs> just super. Uh, growing up in the bush, mate, it does that for you. You do a lot by sound. He's had a couple of kids. Definitely, he's a rabbit. I was going to say he's probably he's, still in the, the, the horse's yeah. carrots as well. Yeah, just for that night vision. Absolutely. So uh, let's fast forward now. You start forging out your own f- successful training um, uh, business by yourself. Really. Uh, now you. Yep. S- well, let, let's let's like wind it right down. Like, your overview is uh, a couple of Melbourne Cup winners, and a lot of people don't know that. Like uh, we're talking Melbourne Cups back in the nineties. Uh, where it was a little bit easier than it is now with interstate raiders coming across. Uh, the criteria back then wasn't as um, hectic as it is now, but still two Melbourne Cup runners is two Melbourne Cup runners, isn't it? Oh, exactly right. Um, like, uh, I'd only been training two years, uh, and we come along with uh, Donald Sutherland, my first runner, uh, who was owned by just a, a strapper, the uh, strap for um, uh, Les Bridge with us yep. back, back in few years earlier, you know, and uh, he had his horse in Sydney being trained and it wasn't showing a lot, so they sent it down to me. He, he sort of sent it down to me and said, I'll oh, have a go with this. And anyway, as it was, blah, 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 it went and it made it to the Melbourne Cup. And, of course, on the on the Saturday before the Melbourne Cup, um, I, I didn't want to run him, but back then you sort of had to. It was Cummings, you know, you've got to run on the Saturday, you've got to run on the Saturday, or you know, no hope on the thing. I said, oh, mate, he's tired. So, anyway, we ran him on the Saturday and he... Um, Went ordinary, went like a tired horse, which he was. Yeah. Um, and I said to, to Darren Sovereign, he owned the horse, and I, I sort of said to him that, look, back then the last pay up was ten thousand, and we're kids, you know, we we're early twenties, we we're only kids. Yeah. Um, and uh, I said, this this pay up's ten thousand. We're, we're going to finish closer to the tails and closer to the lead. And, yeah. Um, of course, he uh, he come back to me with about ten minutes before acceptance because the acceptance is on Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, and said, "Oh, look, I'll probably earn ten thousand in my life again, but I'll never have a chance to have a Melbourne Cup runner." <laughs> and we accept. <laughs> Holy jeez! We, we jumped in the car, we drove back to Flemington. I had no idea where to accept. I had no idea to do anything, <laughs> but we got it done. We made it with about a minute to go. We There's no internet. And, uh, you couldn't just log on and, no, and accept. No, 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 you had to no, like go no, to a no, teller. No. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing. I had no idea, especially with us down there. We had none, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, we got in the race, and um, I knew I'd lead, so I'd organised the uh, Illawarra Mercury, the, the local paper from down here, uh, to get him and his photographer at the 
posted the first lap. So I got some great photos of him going past. Oh, the okay. <laughs> <laughs> like he was strolling to a three-length of victory or something. Yeah. Oh, he was just cruising, yeah. lovely. He looked like a terrific winner in the Melbourne Cup. He is pretty. We had a lap to go. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, first of all, did, did that uh, your owner slash uh, strapper guy? Did he um, did he have the money on him? Did he have ten thousand to cough up? That's a lot of money back then. It was a lot of money. I think he might have asked mum and dad or something, but he got it from somewhere. Was it was it you made, know, made it payable that day or a three day in uh, lieu? I, I'm not sure exactly how it was. He I didn't care. Fine details. He'll handle yeah. that. He'll handle that. I'll train it. I'm glad you didn't I'll, put your I'll hand pick, up to uh, fork it out. Box. You yeah. get the check. Yeah. You know? Simple as that. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm glad you didn't put your hand up to uh, fork it out. We'd be wondering where it came from, hey? Still, oh, ten, still ten, right. Ten, oh, I put my hand up to I'll tell you what, there, there, there'd be some significant questions asked about the fruit picking industry if Terry Parker just come back from fruit picking with 10K in his pocket. Um, okay, now you have another runner, uh, which was Don Raphael. He won the, this always confuses me, it's the Saab or the Lexus. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, uh, one of the car ones. The yeah, it was the Saab when I won it uh, with him. Yeah, um, he he'd gone out to the Geelong Cup and was a good thing beat to start before. Uh, I think he yep. finished fourth and never got, never got off the fence. You know, just never got a crack at him. Yeah. Uh, so then, so then we backed him up in the um, in the Saab, which is yeah the old yeah the twenty five hundred meter race before. So yep. uh, and he he won that, which got him his his slot into the Tuesday race. Yep. Um, so, you know, where I went in with him completely different. I'd learned a lot with Gold Sovereign and had a lot of fun with him down there with, yeah. with the boys and one of them. Uh, this time was a little bit more serious, you know. I went down there serious and knowing what I was doing and uh, uh, thought he was a genuine sort of, you know, top six chance in the race. But um, things went well and we didn't. Yeah, so the people that aren't aware, Scott Seymour lost his iron out the gates and uh, you drew barrier. I was visitor's car park, wasn't it, 20-odd? Yeah, I think it was 20 or 21 or something. And, yeah. um yeah, the main thing with that horse, he was still probably learning a bit, and you had to find a horse's rump yep. for him to relax. Otherwise, you'd over race. And of course, uh, as you mentioned there, he, he just lost his iron as he came out of the gate. It was the year that there was that storm right before the race, and it was pelting down as they jumped. Yep. Um, and he lost his iron like a little apprentice and um, was stuck <laughs> four or five feet down. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm like the first time, and uh, when I looked, when I saw it, I just went, I just want to go home. I just didn't want to watch the next lap. Yeah, this is Scott Seymour at the time, who had basically won on a broomstick with everything else, hey? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. he was winning everything. But he'd already won a cup, and he'd won, you know, he'd just won everything. Um, He was uh, having a really good role, but sometimes things just don't roll with you, and that didn't roll with me. Yep, okay, and now then there was... uh, Little bit of a so you by this stage you're garnering a little bit of interest at least with uh, having Melbourne Cup runners and getting your name out there. Now we fast forward a little bit of time and you've got a horse uh, that I think you hold very dear to your heart and brilliant light. Oh yeah, very good. Um, I think he was our he's my he's been my best horse uh, though he didn't win a Group One. Yeah. Uh, which is what I, I thought he was like. He's the only horse I've ever trained that I genuinely thought about uh, Cox Plate. You know, I thought, yep. oh, I might have a Cox Plate horse here on my hands. But, yeah, um, uh, yeah he um, he just uh, went and missed the foot problem and he said, just never get right again. Yeah, uh, and you purchased him from the sales. This is another, uh, like the other one, uh, with uh, Don Raphael, he was, uh, of course, uh, just passed away recently, Mr. Story. He, um, he uh, um, 
Rain Affair of you know Rain Affair and and all those uh, horses. So it, all these horses that you presented there, you hadn't actually purchased from the sales, but Brilliant Light was your first no, one that yeah, on it, the map that you look with your eye because yeah, yeah. you you are have been renowned as a, a good judge of stayers and also a good judge just uh, on horsemanship. So you picked him out. I think uh, it was twenty thousand dollar purchase. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it might have been twenty two. I think there was no GST, so I was able to get the extra gift because I remember I uh, I snuck an extra bid in because there was no GST and we were able to snap him. You know. Oh, okay, cool. Um, it might have been thirty, thirty, uh, and it might have been thirty three or something like that. I think yeah. we paid for him. Yep. Um, and of course that was uh, a good friend and good mate uh, Anthony Serres. Um, uh, it was good to. Uh, Grabbed him, I remember his face, and I threw my hand up again, and then he looked at me, and I said, mate, no GST, I've just had a GST. <laughs> Swindling. <laughs> yeah, he got him, so then it soon went out the window when he was knocked down to us. Oh, beauty, yeah. how good yeah, that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Can... Yeah, and then, and then when he starts to prove himself, uh, you know, you look like the absolute legend. That's the best part about it. You knew oh, what yeah, you were exactly. doing all along, yeah. So so he, he comes yeah. out, he wins the Ajax, he has a, a Doncaster prep um that really looked like he was on target uh, and unfortunately drew, like you do in every group one, uh, drew 20, yeah. 20 of 20 or yeah, he, 16. He, he drew the outside, the poor bugger. He, um, he had one of the toughest runs you'll see in a, um, uh, in a Doncaster. You know, like if, if he finished 10th or something, you would have went, well, he, he, he went well, you know. Uh, four deep, no cover? Yeah, he was four deep the lot, you know. Um, for him to fight on and run third, um, terrific, uh, terrific effort. Uh, if you ever get a chance to watch the replay, you'll you'll see. He even has another dig when Rangy Rangu runs past him. He dizzy tried hard. Yeah. And that was when I thought, oh, hang on, we we might have a cocked blade or here. But yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that was sort of it. From there, I just struggled with him with uh, with the foot problem. Yeah, yeah. And then we wrap it up uh, with your history with uh, a bonny little mare filly called Aliana Tildy who took. You on a very good ride in a three-year-old season, and and same thing ran into a a, um, a very nice uh, prepared horse uh, by a go, uh, trained by Guy Walter called Streamer. If it wasn't for her, I think uh, we wouldn't be having this uh, long conversation about uh, when you get your first good one because she was a, she was an absolute superstar, Aliana Tildy. You actually got on the Snitzel bandwagon before Snitzel was Snitzel. She she uh, was did she come from a mare that was pretty long in the tooth? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think she was a twenty-year-old man or something. Because I, I bought her from Melbourne, and I remember just going through the catalogue, going, "I'll just go to Melbourne and have a look at the Bob's horses." And when I was sort of down at the sales, wandering around, this this filly walked past me with a Bob sticker, and I went, "Why didn't I have her mark?" Yeah. And then I looked, and it was because it was out of a really old mare. But uh, once again, just fell in love with her as as she was, you know. Um, so lo and behold, I was able to buy her from there, and. Um, Bingo, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, she was nearly I believe you bought her as an early running two year old. Well, you'd think so, being Snitzel. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I thought, well, I, was trying to buy, I was trying to buy something that might be might be able to make it to a slipper or something. Um, but uh, I remember the, uh, the owner, Gordon, was here with me and the first time we galloped her. I went, oh, well, mate, we're not going to the slipper. We're going to have to be patient and wait for an Oaks. Yeah. So that's yeah. what we did. Yeah. Um, so, was he, um, he was a second year sire by this point? I think so. I think they, 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 it's first or second, anyway. On yeah. the on the on the. Yeah, it was only early, 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 I, I, I think I bought three 
three schnitzels the first or second year, and then of course uh, the year after that, I couldn't get near them. I couldn't yeah. buy one. How much? Well, did you, how much did you pay? Oh, sorry. What, what what jumped out for you with those those schnitzels? Did you did you like their their physical appearance? Did you like the 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 bloodline coming out of them? What what jumped at you? Uh, more so the physical appearance, and okay. um, you know, like all uh, people that don't have long pockets, you've got to take a gamble on something. So I was always prepared to gamble on. Sires, early sires, um, because as, as you know, what happens when they're performing? Well, then you can't buy them anyway. Uh, yeah, exactly. So I sort of uh, I took a lot on the broodmare side and was just looking for unproven stallions, as in young stallions, first or second season stallions, and taking a risk on them, um, just hoping they could uh, gallop. But yeah, physical. You know, they had to catch you by the eye uh, at the sales. So it had to be nice confirmation. Uh, where she ticked all those boxes, uh, pretty much the same as Brian Light. He was by Fantastic Light that yeah. you, nobody knew anything about, you know, but it was just the horse, the individual I was buying. Yep. Yep, good stuff. Yeah, so now we go to uh, this year, which was uh, the great culmination of all the years that we've just spoke about of you being in the racing industry and uh, taken off at a young age and all we've, that, we've built everything, up to the everything that rolls into it. Uh, you finally get your first Group 1 winner, which was a, a, a gelding by a, um, All-American All American called Dark Dream. Now, you won the Brisbane uh, – the, I keep talking with the Brisbane Derby. That's really bad of me. It the is. Queensland Derby this year. Uh, first of all, on behalf of us, congratulations on that. Uh, we, 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 uh, if you hadn't been following the, the, uh, the podcast, we, uh, had, we have a segment called Back in the Future where we give a tip where a horse or something you can back uh, in, the, in the near future. Um, and uh, – I was bullish about him right from his Maruya uh, win there on debut. You're a good man. Good man. <laughs> good to have you the support there. I, I got on board after he ran second at Kemberley's second yeah. start. I thought, hello, I think I've got a uh, – yeah. I think I might have a derby horse here. This was pretty good Pretty good effort, that. Yeah. He uh, chased the line and he'd done everything right. Did he show you much promise early? Not really. Uh, I remember his jump outs and that were pretty ordinary, but he was very raw. He, he took a long time to mature. You know, uh, only a homebred um, by All-American, and he was just wouldn't – penny wouldn't drop. You know, like even when he went to Maria, I, I, I thought he was some hope just on a bit of raw ability, but he just didn't know much. Yeah. Um, so it was good to see him sort of fight on and, and get the job done there uh, to win there, but it wasn't until his second start here at Kembla – uh, just the way a few things went wrong for him, and Jizzy attacked the line, and I thought, oh, you might be pretty handy, you. So that was when I sort of started to stamp out and think, well, hang on, I better start planning a uh, Queensland Derby prep for him because uh, the uh, the Sydney Derby was, of course, was going to be too quick for him. You know, he didn't know enough. Yeah. So I was able to just give him a couple of runs to try and get his rating up, and then bring him back and just put him on a Queensland prep. And uh, Lo and behold, it all works. It's great when the team comes together. Yeah, so he goes from uh, from that. Uh, he ran a couple of very tight seconds and probably was a bit unlucky, but flashing home and always showing a bit of promise. Now, it, it, within the space of maybe a month, you've got a horse that's gone from that to uh, winning the Vaux Rogue at a Group 2 level in Brisbane, and you're the horse is up there for that carnival, and you're pretty much locked in now. You've got a horse that's a real genuine chance in the derby, and... Uh, it's, uh, you know, powers in comparison to anything at the time. Like, the, uh, you know, all, all the all the pundits at that point were were very uh, astute in, in seeing that he had the potential to do so. Now, now it starts to get to that point, okay, I've, I'm definitely going for a group one here. I've got my most liable chance in it. 
Uh, just go through the process of uh, of what that takes mentally. Do you uh, you got a month up there between runs or almost? So you got a between the Vaux Road, you had the Grand Prix and then the Derby. So you got to pick and pick and choose where he runs. Now um, you're not there by hand, uh, personally, so you're back in Kemmler Grange. So you're flying back and forward. Is that correct? Just to uh, watch yeah, the horse work. Yeah, no. Uh, Aaron was up there doing uh, doing all the work, and um, you know. Uh, we were speaking, you know, a couple of times a day, of course. Um, but there was a, a couple of times there that, uh, you know, he'd, he'd lightened off and things went a little wrong um, that uh, Aaron was able to get on top of. And, and as you say, I was just sort of flying back and forwards, uh, trying to keep both ships running. Yep. Um, but, uh, no, all in all, um, like I say, the, the horse, it had been a long campaign. The horse was getting... A little tired there at times, you know. Uh, it is a lot for a three-year-old. Um, and when he won the Vaux Rogue, um, sorry, the Rough Habit, uh, when he won the Rough Habit as easy as he did, uh, you know, I, I sort of thought, oh, that's a bit of a peak run, that. You know, I thought I've got a, uh, I've still got a month to go before the Derby. Um, so that was a little scary. That was a little thought. I mean, in my head, I'm thinking, oh, geez, do I just back off him and give him a barrier trial and wait a month and run in it? Or, you know, do I um, just, you know, do I do I keep going fortnightly? Like four weeks was a, a long time between runs, I think, from there to the derby. Yeah. With a horse that was probably just starting to feel it a little bit. Um, but I ended up uh, going to the races again because he, he just, he still was learning. He still needed to learn. You know, he'd, he'd never been in between horses. He'd never had those sorts of things happen to him. So, um I needed to go to the races for him to learn to be able to settle in the derby. And uh, that's what happened, of course, in the Grand Prix. Yep. He got in between horses and over-raced and did a fair bit wrong. Um, and, and, of course, he, he, he'd lost the shoe and uh, a lot of the wall of the foot had come off with the shoe. Uh, so he had a bit of a drama there, but uh, luckily we had good farriers and uh, he was able to, to fix that up and sort it out and keep him sound, which is the main thing. And then uh, from there, it was just a matter of the horse had learnt a lot out of that run. Although everything went wrong, it was a terrific derby trial. Uh, and then his next fortnight was absolutely sensational. You yeah. know, he did gone, he ticked every box, he, he ate and he worked and he uh, went into the derby really, really well. I was 100% happy with him going in. So it was as confident as I've ever been about any horse winning, let alone a group one. Fantastic. Do you, do you think um, – yeah. so on your lead-up, you had uh, Larry Cassidy riding him. When you got up to Brisbane, what was your thought process about getting Timmy Clark on board? Did that help uh, settle him down a bit and uh, put put a rejuvenation in him, uh, ride him a little bit bit sturdier? What was your thought process there? Uh, I wanted sort of one of the guys that I know, you know, um, like Timmy's ridden a lot for me. Uh, I actually tried to get him as an apprentice to, to come and be an apprentice to me when he was down at the bush. Yeah. Um, but uh, him or like Brendan Abdella or one of the Sydney boys that, uh, you know, have ridden some, have ridden some horses for me and uh, have a bit of confidence in, in me and I have confidence in them, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's where that came from. The, the hardest thing there was, of course, you've got that Hawkesbury standalone meeting and the Scone standalone, standalone meeting. Uh, and I wanted to get someone on him that, that could get to know him, to, to stay on him, because he was, a, like I said, he's, he's a little bit quirky. He, he didn't know a lot. You still had to be a strong rider on him. Um, but you would definitely benefit if you'd ridden him before. So yeah. I didn't want anyone just jumping on him derby day, putting one of the good jocks on. I wanted to try and link a bit of a, you know, for them to get to know him. And uh, 
that's what happened with Timmy. Um, we were able to get Tim off a couple of horses. I think he had six rides at Scone, and his manager worked with me, and we were able to get him off them uh, and to go to Brisbane, and, uh, and that's how he got the ride. Well, yeah. I'm unreal. We had John Walter on last week, so uh, we, we forgot to ask him about Dark Dream. So, oh no, we we, to- we talked a little bit about it. Uh, he, he said that uh, he had to basically just keep ringing you every week and and uh, pitch it like a sa- <laughs> like a car salesman. And I think he, he closed the deal quite well. He was quite chuffed with himself. But it's a pretty easy manager job when you've got a jockey like Tim Clark. So net net yeah, exactly. Well, that's, that's what it was. Like I, I, with his manager and that, I kept sort of saying to him, "Mate, I'm doing my best here. Don't don't." Don't go sealing it yet. It's not over, you know. Like yeah. we were uh, discussing it all the time, trying to get him on. Uh, and then once we got the the all clear, well, then away we went. It was uh, good as gold. Yep. So now you've you, you've got him settled. He's had a really good prep going up to this. Um, how are you feeling going into this Group One with the short price fa- short price favourite? Shit, shit, and shit and bricks, or how you doing? Good as gold. Um, I um. I only get nervous when things are a little wrong. Uh, if I've done everything, the horse has done everything, uh, I go into it not nervous. And I was really? not nervous going into that, yeah. No, no, drama no sweaty palms? I'll be, I'll, be I'll be more nervous with a um, uh, horse going around in the Kembla Maiden that <laughs> uh, just, just hasn't worked properly or just had a little niggly and I'm just not, yeah, if I'm not, 100% happy with them. That's when I just get really nervous. Yeah. Um, of course, the, the butterflies and that get pumping when they're moving into the barriers. Yeah. Um, but as far as nervous and everything, uh, no, wasn't nervous. It was going to be what it'll be. You know, I, I was really happy with his preparation. I was really happy with the way everything had gone. It was good to draw a barrier in a group one race. Yeah. Uh, it was all up it's to about him, your you first know? time. You had only... a good barrier too in a group one, wasn't it? About time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. and that's what it was. I went in there with that focus that it's all up to him, you know. Um, yeah. I, I'd done mine. Uh, it was all up to him, and uh, it was yeah, it was quite easy. It was quite easy to watch. Yeah, yeah, and uh, one of the greatest highlights, I reckon, yeah. especially watching it uh, from from not only your perspective or uh, anyone that's had anything to deal with your perspective, just from everyone's perspective when you see. Uh, a trainer that's not in the the metropolitan area succeed with a small team. Uh, the whole entire industry and uh, punters alike, everyone rejoices that it was. It's it's always a great. Fit. The celebrations always seem to be yeah, more how, real. How did that celebration go, mate? Can you can you oh, let geez. us on some oh, some oh, nitty gritty? Come on, this is off the bit. We want some scoops here. <laughs> Drop it to us. <laughs> Dusty, well, that, uh, Dusty you know, at like, best. From the moment they, from the moment they pass the line, you're just over the moon. You know, we've got it, and and like I say, to, to share it with Aaron that had been up there under pressure and everything. To, you know, that's my son, Aaron. Um, you know, so uh, it was really good to share it with him. You know, um, to start from there, but then the uh, the celebrations, mate. I like we were we were at the Sunshine Coast, and of course we we're in Brisbane winning at the Doom, and um, uh, and then. Um, the guys wanted me to be on uh, thoroughbred the next day. I had no idea where I was staying, so <laughs> the horse went. The horse, the horse went from the race get, to the did, paddock. Did, so we were all right. Did we you get? A, did you, did you just go? Did you grab a horse rug and just throw it over yourself? <laughs> I was about to say. Geez. Well, I, I just, I'd been there and done that before, so I was pretty, but this time I, I was old enough, old enough, and able to buy alcohol. So of course we went off to the local pub and. Uh, uh, drank way too many as it's supposed to, and yep. uh, I woke up in somebody's place not far away from them and track. I could see it from there, and we're not going to be there at nine o'clock, so away I went. I was going to uh, say, what, did, did, 
Didn't make the track next morning? No, you had to go and do yeah, it. Yeah, I went to the track next morning to do an interview. So yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah, fantastic. Uh, how, how, out of 10, how did you feel? Sorry? Out of 10, how did you feel? Like, rate it from 1 to 10, how you felt exactly uh, like the next day? I, I, I wasn't too bad. I was a little shaky. Um, <laughs> I was a little shaky, a little green when I was sort of walking around. And a couple of good glasses of water and a good double strength coffee sort of. Yeah. Got me got me got me through, let's say. What would have made uh, that in yeah. those those post post race interviews is just like standing there having a nice interview and then it's, just Ugh! It's a bit awful. Like you understand that they've they've got a like um those racing red show and those Sunday morning shows after the big route ones, like it's their their priority to get that trainer or the jockey on, but the trainers go through some emotions the night before. It's yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough, but you, you held yeah. your own, mate. Now let's uh, let's fast forward. Now the horse goes out to spell at Aquas Farm, uh, and from there uh, things just turn a little bit sour. Now I know that you can't speak on it a great deal, but uh, for the people that aren't privy to the information, that the the horse was decided between uh, the managing owner, or the majority share owner, that the horse will be moved on from your stable. Now uh, at this stage, uh, he has been sold. Is that correct? No, no, that's right. He hadn't been sold, but there'd been uh, lots of uh, money offered and everything on the lead-up, you know, uh, all the the way through the preparation, which is what they do. They do target uh, that Brisbane Carnival, the uh, Hong Kong people, because it's good timing, you know. They want to come over, give them a good time to settle in and get ready for their Hong Kong day. So he was sort of targeted and chased a lot there. yeah, then I got the, you know, you know how it goes. Uh, uh, I'm sure we've all said it to young females. It's not you, it's me. You're yeah. beautiful. You're great. Yeah, you're uh, yeah, okay. That's, that's the spiel I got. Um, and yeah, it's not you, it's me. And uh, we're parting mates. So was it was this um, done? Was this done face to face or over the phone? Yeah, or? no, it was done more or less face to face. Although you, I knew it was coming. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So you got, got. I was like, I was like any little girl sitting there with a flower. I go, oh, no, this is coming. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna talk. It's gonna yeah. be like yeah. sitting there waiting for a shark well. attack. Yeah. This is not gonna go well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it is what it is. Um, that happened, but uh, at least now with him being sold to Hong Kong, I can cheer the horse on. You know, if he was racing around here uh under someone else's banner well then i'm sure i'd have a six to four old on his tail yeah you know, sure. where yeah that's the difference i can you know now i can cheer him on and hope he goes and wins some nice races for him over there yeah um but as i say if he was here well then i'd be putting the handbrake on and hanging onto his tail every time he went round. you know yeah. so uh at least now i can just sit back and i can sit up and watch him you know good uh, as gold what sort of uh, there's so there's what depth of bitterness comes out of it? Like, is, is it like, do you sort of sit down after the phone call of the conversation and you just sit there in your house and you sort of stare at the walls and uh, it takes a lot of metal, like in- intestinal fortitude to work your way out of and find the positive. Like, how low does it get you and how much of you is like, that's the industry, that's how it goes, is not uncommon? Uh, or how much no, it goes, it, can uncommon. I get a break? And I've been, in, I've been in the game a long time. So I've seen and heard it and had it happen. To me, before you know, um, not so much a Group One winner, um, but you know, we all lose horses and, and clients and things. Uh, that's part and parcel of it. But what really knocked me was um, the fact that it, it wasn't just me. It's uh, they'd sort of taken it off, you know, like the Illawarra. Everything here had got behind it, thinking, "Oh, now we've got a horse we can steer for the Melbourne Cup next year." And yeah. So it wasn't just me. Uh, the other side of that is 
I've got a relatively young staff, and um, they that really knocked them. And it was more to keep their. It was more. That, and I suppose that was the role I tried to take was to try and keep them as positive as we could. Yeah, because they're not used to it like like we are. You know. Uh, uh, after being sort of, oh, life's just the rug's been ripped out, you know, uh, and you walk down the barn and think, oh, that might win a race, that might win a race. Yeah. So we're in trouble here. You You're know, um, take the wind out of your sails, It leaves a big hole in the stable, that's for sure. And uh, like I say, the, um, the staff that have done a great job and uh, all the way through, you know, what you saw uh, from a baby sort of mature into a Group 1 winner and yeah. uh, get such a right out of it. Um, it was hard to, you know, they were walking into work with their chin on the ground and it was pretty hard to pick them up as well as myself, you know. Yeah, um, yep. Uh, it wasn't until, for me personally, it wasn't until, okay, he's been sold to go over to Hong Kong that I actually was able to breathe again properly. Yeah, you okay. know, I went, yep. Yeah. Yep. Now, now I can cheer him on. It was always going to be a nightmare when he returned here in my face, you know. Yeah. And uh, like I say, under someone else, well, then it would all start again. Yep. Where if he goes overseas, it's all it, it's all gone. You know, um, you just just press on, and now we just uh, look for our next one. Hopefully, you know, that's yep. all we can do is turn out, do our best with what we have, and uh, uh, hopefully win some races. Doesn't matter where we're at, you know, um, as long as our horse race well and and do race to their ability. That that that's our aim, and uh, you know, the, the guys here, the staff here, are sort of they've they've probably done the same as me after that. Okay, he's he's been sold and he's gone. Um, we can all get on with life now and yeah. concentrate on what we've got. Yeah, yeah, it was very yucky, and uh, like I say, it was it's hard to watch your staff walk into the stables here and just sort of dragging their feet and just sort of been a, a kick in the pants for all of them. You know, from the just, highest of highs to the lowest of lows, it's always hard, isn't it? Yeah, just on the <laughs> yeah, up. yeah, and we've still got a job to do. We've got everyone else's horses here. You know, you've yeah. got to do your best with them. Just yeah. on the uh, the brutality of it, is there any way of uh, sort of mitigating the way that – so I, as an owner myself, I like to put my absolute trust in my trainer and everything like that. Um, but in, in the same essence from your side, you want to you know you've got a bit of security there that if you're onto a good thing, you can hold on. Is there any way that you can – like is there a contract you can sign um, putting in uh, terms or the, for, for um, them taking the horse off you or something like that for future – Well. Like, at the end of the day, um, it's terrific money you've been offered for a gelding, so you'd be pretty declined, you know, you're like uh, a three-year-old gelding, that sort of money. We've been in racing long enough to know that you get injuries, you get this and you get crook and your preparation's gone and things like that. When someone's sort of forking out that sort of money into your pocket, you're pretty much mad not to sell, you know. like We're uh, talking multi-millions, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. This yep. is, you know, it's good money in anyone's language. Um uh, and especially for a gelding, you know, a three-year-old Huge gelding. Money for a gelding. Yeah, it, you know, um, we've only sort of won the Queensland Derby. I'd aim for that because it's a weaker Derby. Uh, in saying that, he was still very raw, and I'm hoping he turns out to be really not good. not sell it short, but, mate. Um, it's still, still a Derby, you know, a good one Derby. As far as uh, contracting with with owners and things like that, things happen. You know, uh, it is racing. Uh, most people do. As you do, uh, have faith in their trainer. When I give my car to my mechanic, I'm relying on him to tell me what's going on with it because I know nothing. Yeah. Um, and it's the same with an, an owner giving me a horse. And, um, you know, Dark Dreams owners, it was all the, always the same. It was, I treated those horses as if they were my horses. Yeah. Uh, with the decisions and, uh, 
they never questioned anything. You know, we just were able to go through and uh, had a terrific run uh, for her. Probably, um, I don't know if I have a, a good as uh, uh, winning strike rate with any other owner as I would with theirs. Yeah. Um, without, uh, you know, Red Dream as well. You know, him winning three in a row as a six-year-old. You know, that was terrific. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which yeah. is just a shame, and and uh, it, it, that was the other thing. It's not just uh, Dark Dream that got taken away. It was the it was every horse that she uh, has ever uh, has had in your stable, which is not just the the upper echelon one, but all the the salt of the earth ones. Uh, Red Dream, you strung a couple of wins with him. Three in a row was it this this prep? Yeah, three. Yeah, three in a row was uh, at the same time as Dark Dream was going around in Brisbane. Because yeah. absolutely sensational. I'll tell you yeah. what, like uh, I won I won seven seven races with him. You know. Um, yeah. But we won, with, we won with Roya's Dream. Everything she'd given me with one with except for one filly that had run a placing and then both attended. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. That's, well, that's what it, it – in a, in a summation, it's a testament to you for – like this is one, one of the reasons why we were so uh, – happy that you join us on the shows because it's a testament to you as a, yourself as a realist and, and, uh, and just a real person in the industry and there's no bitterness and, uh, uh, you understand there's glass and half full and half empty and, uh, a really great story. And, and like I said, on behalf of us to, for, to see you reach that pinnacle and the great one can never be taken away from you. Horses can, uh, that stature can't. Uh, and and actually, oh, just, no, exactly. just just a further just a further point of how nice a guy you are. Uh, we've actually kept you past your horse racing in Maruya. I've just realised. Yeah, I believe it ran third. I was trying to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we will apologise for that. We did say that we'd. Uh, this is what happens when you're talking to Kerry Parker. He's such a nice guy, and you sort of bounce back and forward. So, uh, did you actually get to see it or? Yeah, no, I was watching it while I was talking there. Okay, uh, ran third from Barrier Ten. Whereabouts was he posied up? Yeah, it was uh, back in the field, didn't get a lot of room, uh, and that's why my phone's been beeping. I'm tipping there, all owners ringing me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get a room, and it looked like you went really well. Uh, I don't think I had such a red light. Happened because I'm not really sure. Jeez, okay then. All right then, mate. Well, that's the benefit of. Uh, She's held her own and gone well, mate, which is the main thing. Mate, fantastic. Uh, before we let you go, because um, I'm sure that you've a got a replay and calls to make and probably half of the stable work to do. Um, we do. Yeah. We never let our guests go without playing a little bit of a game. Um, uh, it's a. It's a. Now it's called. We call it pick the flick. Now. I chose you because I know that you are very adept at your uh, movies. I know you're a movie buff. We'll do that, Beth. What's our What's our scoreboard again? Who? Wayne Harris. Wayne Harris is the leader yep, in this. Wayne yeah, Wayne is on top. So, uh, are you still there, Kerry? Yeah, mate. Yep. Yeah, just bear with us for two more minutes, mate, and then we'll let you go. So, um, what? what no, this is going to be an interesting game because I know that you love your mu- uh, movies and I, know, I reckon you can tell when I'm talking shit and lying. So uh, this worked out well. So what, what I'm going to do, mate, is I'm going to uh, – dis- uh, me, myself and Rolls Reese are going to describe f- uh, five movies um, and want you to tell us if it's a real movie or whether I've, whether I've completely made it up, okay? All you have to say if it's, if it's real or false and then we'll get you out of here and you can go back to your normal life. No worries, mate. Are, are you ready to go, bud? I'll do my best. Right here we go. Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez star in this period drama of two brothers who make one of the most iconic porn films of their generation. It's filmed in 2000 and it's based on the true story of the Mitchell brothers and it's called Rated X. Real or fake? Oh, it's called Rated X, but I'd say real. Uh, it's real, yep. 
You well done. It is real. Yeah, that's one from one. I okay. like it. Super. Righto. So it's 1985 and big league baseball stars Sweet Feet Mac Johnson and Memphis Mr. 3000 Bleak, New York Yankees big hitters stumble upon a dead body inside a high-profile nightclub. An elaborate plot is uncovered that could have them in the whole city in danger. It stars Ving Rhames and Bernie Mac, and it's called Big City Swingers. Real uh, no. Uh, if it's real, it's like real D-grade. No. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> I was going to say, we've got we to gotta have a clear, clear Jeez. number here. Uh, all right, you're two from two. That was fake. Okay, Kira Knightley fake. and Amy Adams are best friends and heiresses to their father's fortune, but love gets in the way, much to the dismay of their father's controlling fathers and the intent on a standard family life in a drama that l- chooses love over money. It's directed by Rob Reiner and it's called Love Notes. Oh, that could be real. There's always trouble with love and money. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'll just say, okay, real. Uh, I gotcha. That was that was that was fun. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you're two from three. Yeah, two There's from three. Those movies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. All right. Okay. Let's... So Chris Cooper and Ross from Friends play plastic surgeons and investors of the Silicon Breast Implant. Set in the 1960s, this no holds barred insight into the fame and fortune of as unreal as the breast they create. It's called Breast Men. I'd say real. It it's is real. real. All right. <laughs> yeah. Finally, in. finally. Hey, no, no, so hang on. We'll just set the scene. So he's at three. All he has to do is get this one right, and he goes straight at the tippity top. Oh, yeah. Overtaken Wayno. Okay. Oh, yeah. This is the last one. It's a true st- a, a story about killer tomatoes, and it's called Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. <laughs> Go again, give it to him again. A, a story about killer tomatoes, and it's called Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Oh, that's so far bad that it'd have to be true. Yeah, it is. Straight to the top. Ding, ding, ding. Congratulations, mate. Mate, so we, you're we, a winner in every mate, aspect. We, we've run this by Kerry, pa- uh, Kerry, pa- Kerry McAvoy with Nick Olive. We've had every uh, Joe Cleary. All of our guests have come on this show, uh, a lot of them, uh, and you have gracefully jumped at the top of the table with four out of five, mate. Well done. I did tell you that you yeah. tell you could tell when I'm talking I was going to say, that's what I reckon it yeah. was. He could, he could hear the stutter in our voice. Yeah. Fantastic, mate. <laughs> wow, that's that's great. I'm wrapped to have you on top of the leaderboard, man. Uh, to let you know, like uh, there was a couple there. I think Nick Olive got one out of five. Chris Caserta got zero out of five. Yeah. So... Uh, for you to get past my guard, mate, uh, and and uh, and to, to, for a for a very adventurous uh, 2018, we, we we wish the best uh, for the rest of uh, 2018, 19, and the rest of your career. Surely there's mate. another big winner in there for you. Yeah, the real re- re- soul re- of the earth. Stick to it. Reoccurring guest, mate. You're no, always welcome on board. Super guys, thank you very much, and I uh, I hope we can pull something out of our sphincter to do something. (laughs) (laughs) Good on you, mate, and I just want you to uh, acknowledge that I didn't mention the um, uh, Canterbury Bulldogs one time. (laughs) <laughs> no, that, that would have been a waste of time. No. <laughs> oh, by the way, it's, it's it's Manly versus Canterbury, so can we have a slide 20 on it next week? Uh, I'm sure there's a little drink in it, isn't there? Good on you, buddy. <laughs> Thank you very much, mate. All no, the best, no. eh? Righto, see you, no, see, no, see you no, buddy. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye. What an Man, unreal. How great is that? Like... It's just he's just the epitome of this is the thing that are, that is so likable about him, likable about him is that he's an astute trainer, very good trainer of stayers, and obviously a now a Group One winning trainer. But he's the most approachable guy ever, and uh, always gives his time. And uh, I know that the core owner group of of owners absolutely love the bloke, and 
Uh, why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Would real, you send a horse real, to him? Real, real, I would send a horse to him. Mm, absolutely. absolutely fantastic. Uh, do, do you know what I'd be more inclined to do? Is go to the sales with him, let him pick out a horse that he wants. Great judge. Give him money and then go with that. He just seems like he's on the ball with everything. Yeah. You know? Well, he, um, he, uh, he's one of those guys, he, he looks over a horse for the first five or so minutes and then uh, he knows exactly what he's looking at. He, he's, the, he's the best at, get, at getting given maybe 30 or 40 horses in a in a in a booklet and he'll cull that down to three straight away. Yeah, you know, cool. Like he's one of those ones. He doesn't piss in your pocket. So great interview. Uh, well, let's go to some sport news now. NRL, we've got uh, the breaking news was uh, Anthony Griffin uh, being sacked from the Panthers basically seemingly overnight. Uh, yeah, is this, it's almost like along the lines with uh, – Dark dreams, you know, just yeah, get out of you, it, you know. Yeah, he just had a winner. He <laughs> stayed had a, a trend with he the He had show. a winner on Sunday. The Sharks come back. Uh, um, the Panthers come back against uh, the Raiders. Uh, great win. Yep. And then he celebrated the, the victory that night. And then Monday morning, you know they what said, I think uh, it's, off you go. It's, it's, it could be more. Um, Gussie Gould wanting to have a bit more control. And he, he's obviously thrown up his guard a bit and said, Gus, step the fuck back. I'm the coach here. Yeah. And then Gus has gone, right, I'll show you, son. Yeah, get out, get out of here! And now he's putting. Uh, I can't even remember who he's putting in, but he's putting in somebody that he can just sort of yeah, just puppeteer around a little bit. Pretty much, Gus, run the show Gus, how he wants. Gus, and look, Gus. more for us if they come out and win a premiership yeah. due to Gus's uh, foresight, I guess. But hey, it's uh, look, man, it's just a bit of a distasteful way to go about yeah. things. Yeah. Hey, on, to- on top of that, what about Kerry Parker um, going straight at the top of the pick the flick now? Yeah, huge play, huge. Four out of five. Yeah, if someone gets five, what are we going to do if someone gets five? I don't know. Give them a chocolate, <laughs> the shirt. How about the? How about we just keep like telling people we're going to give them shirts? Yeah, we do. I told you. I'm going to get about uh, that. What up. about what about the broken promises we're on? Like huge you, you, broken you, promises. You said you were going to put a photo up of a horse nine episodes well, ago. I'm still waiting for somebody to just absolutely call us out. Come on, challenge me. Fight me on this. No one's Bring talking it about out the shirts either. I love a challenge. I love people getting on me. I, told, I, know, I know big time Ben's sitting in there going, I'll back you in all, the, all, all day, but hey, mate, it doesn't count. Remember when we first started and we told big time Ben we're getting him a shirt? You, I, you told him. Extra extra large, I think it was. Yeah, you remember. Big time. It's coming. It's coming, Ben. <laughs> Eventually. Hit me with some sport. Other, other sports news? Uh, UFC. Hey, Conomer? Conomer? Nah, Conomer? Conomer? McGregor? <laughs> no, not Conor McGregor. Oh. TJ Dillashaw. Oh, yes. Dillashaw knocking yeah. out uh, Cody Cody Gabrant again. Absolutely smoked him first round. Just, he, just rocked him. Is he like the uh, all-time? No, nah, so th- there's just been a big feud. They used to be on a show called The Ultimate Fighter. Yes, yep. Um, and they just had a massive feud, feud since then. Cody's a bit of a bad boy. TJ's like your straight-up sort of all-American type of dude. He's... He's um I wouldn't say he's humble, but he's like more more. Can't be a UFC earth. fighter. Yeah, and yeah, humble, yeah. Man. But he's more more down to earth. You yeah. know, like he's yeah. just a bit more straight edge. The most the most most humble you've been with UFC fighters. Like, I really like you. I respect you, but I'll knock you the fuck out. That's humble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they've gone at it the first time. They've just mouthed off with each other. Gone out. Um, TJ uh, won with TKO, I think. Yeah. And then he's come out again and done the same thing in the first round, though. Just yeah. absolutely. You could sort of see uh, like the 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 pre-fight shows yeah. that um that Wayne. glint that glint was taken out of Cody's eye though. Like yeah. TJ stand there just death staring into his soul. Like last time, Cody was all up in his grill, they're shoving and stuff. Like like a like a, a, a um, Nate. Nate Diaz, Diaz. Nate yep. Diaz sort yep, of style, absolutely. but yep. yeah, sort of faded. Um, on on similar news, I guess. Bit of AFL news. 
Andrew Gaff, uh, absolutely chinning uh, Andrew Andrew Brayshaw. Yeah. Na- name uh, uh, three letters that uh, when you think, three letters when you hear it, you think fighting. Um, AFL. AFL. <laughs> <laughs> you have me You like it? like what I do there? <laughs> Look at you with those little puppy dog guys yeah, going, good, yeah, don't stitch me up again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you know what? It looked like there was absolute nothing in the punch. Like, it's it, funny, like, hey? Mate, I've seen harder punches get thrown in a jello fight. Yeah. But... This is this is a testament to proper UFC fighters. You see them actually getting, oh, their, getting their clock cleaned every <laughs> like every second strike, and then AFL like there's been a few of them. Just it's just one clean hit, but it just, just wrecks their face. I think he's got a broken jaw, severe concussion, and he lost a few few teeth in it. Yeah. And you know what? It's one of those things. Brayshaw was absolutely dribbling off to to Gaff, and then yeah. Gaff's just had a brain fart and. Dropped him one and didn't really think much of it. Thought that's what it was. He'll probably cop a couple of couple of weeks suspension, as you do for for fighting. Yeah, in a, well, at this stage he, he's his second favourite for the uh, for the Brownlow Medal. Yeah. So you know you can't get, get suspended at all. It's it's uh, the best and fairest mm. player in the uh, in the AFL. So that's truly he, gone now. He knew straight away. He knew yeah. straight away. He sat on the yeah. bench and you can see. But it's it's a you brain think sp- that t- tears tears of sorrow because he's, he was remorseful of what he'd done, or he's just like yeah now I've now he, I've I've, I've well, stuffed he, he, up my my. He, no, uh, his brother actually, uh, uh, Brayshaw's brother plays for one of his brothers plays for West Coast Eagles. Well, yeah. So he's on the team and he's knocked his uh, youngest brother out uh, and uh, very young, promising rookie. And, and Gaff had basically uh, looks to have had a, a Brownlow medal type run, which is all completely gone. And uh, Brayshaw misses the rest of the. And they're talking about. Um, uh Charging him as well, getting it. Getting yeah, 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 they like, talk like, about that. Uh, I, I think I hope that, it that comes down to Brayshaw. I don't think he'll end up going down that yeah. road. Let's hope. Not. Um, it, it is it is sport at the end of the day. It's a contact yeah, sport, exactly. Yeah, and it was it wasn't malicious. He didn't go out of his way. It was just a swing, but um, that's what happens. Shit happens. Right now, I heard we've got a dear friend of ours back on. Yes. Uh, so, if anyone hasn't listened to episode sixteen, we we had to. Uh, front the media and, and apologise. In a shocker mood that week, wasn't he? Yeah, it was. Um, uh, look, we we basically we got in contact with him, which is good. We thought uh, we thought the worst, certainly. Um, uh, he, He's he, sitting out in um in in the Batuta local pub. Yeah, yeah, that's right, exactly. Yeah, maybe that's what he's doing. He's, he, that's where he went to Batuta. Uh, but he has been. Um, we got in contact with him. We said, listen, we'll give you one more go. Um, I haven't heard it. But look, it's it's a it's a real dangerous worm to go down wormhole. But hope I don't have to cut him off. Let's let's mid, press play. Mid rant, but and let's press play, and uh, mate, we'll either all enjoy Hubie or I think we will. Let's go to Hubie now. Round twenty one of the NRL, and this is a story all about how the ladder got flipped turned upside down. It'll only take a minute. Just sit right there. And I'll show you how to do a review with that same c- live on air. We kick off to ANZ Stadium and the late season run of the Broncos has been lassoed and Wild Stallion's spirit irreparably broken as all hopes of a top four finish were dashed by a razzle-dazzle bottom-of-the-table Bulldogs outfit. A miserable 6,000 people watched Wally Lewis's uncles, brothers, sisters, barbers, cousins, nephews show that being pretty, pretty, pretty good runs in the family. And speaking of running in the family, the Morris brothers can't. However, it was a two-try performance from the beefy statues out on the left side and put the game beyond doubt. The rumour is the Broncos players all hate each other and we don't blame them because, well, they're Queenslanders. 
3622. To the Steel City we go, and the West Balmain Tigers were on the prowl and the Novocastrians were on the menu as they looked to feed off the misfortune of the top eight and weasel their way into the finals football. Kalen Stinky Ponga went whoop, 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 to hotfoot his way to Dallium favoritism, but it was no match for the stripy cats as Sean Kenny wife beater's 250th game was clipped over the ear hole. Say CO to the Norts, season 25-16 the scoreline. Back to ANZ and with the top eight all but locked in, not since Fleetwood Mac has a bunch of people in one group tried to fuck each other. As first place bunnies took on the storm, it was the Swedish chef Damien Cook whoop, 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 who served up a heaping helping of running meters and had the fringe of the storm defense looking like a bunch of fucking muppets. Adam Dewey done diddy done did his knee done diddy dums and his ACL as was like a 14 year old girl and just can't even. Cody Walker, Texas Ranger, threw a perfect cutout ball to. Here we go. Carmichael, Carmichael, Hyman Hunt, as my Tourette's exploded and the storm imploded. 38 points to 20. It was a race to see who can choke better at Wynn Stadium, and the Warriors are Russian, comrade, as New Zealand put in a solid defensive effort and trumped the Dragons in a close one. Paul Vince Vaughan Ankle popped out for a few cold ones to the Steelers Club as Tui Vasashek set about breaking the rest of the ankles on the park to the tune of 239 metres. Warriors 18, Chokers 12. Jared Hayne took on his former team mates, the San Francisco 49ers, as he scored a touchdown and ran back a few punts across the 20-yard line and stopped a few fullbacks from rushing the pidskin up the seams in a slobber knocker for the ages. Kind of not. Anthony Don continues to mystify with his deceptive third gear up a hill speed and seems the only shining light for the Titans as they fall short 28-12. To all I ANZ Stadium and Jason Tamalolo went pff, 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 and steamrolled James Tedesco in a, to, into a Bondi crepe as the cows rallied after the roosters laid it on thick in the first half to pinch a few cheeky tries. And even without cool hand Luke Kerry, the Terrell Mitchell put the team on his back and ripped the defense a new asshole. The victory lap for JT is now looking more like scenes from the Boston bombing as it's all carnage and bloody footprints. 26 to 20, the score. There's blood in the water at Cronulla, and that means it must be that time of the month that they become totally shit as any hopes were dashed as Manly got manly and decided to switch positions, which inspired a come-from-behind victory as they handled the fronts and the seamen were all over their backs. Dally Cherry popped a digit through the post right on the vinegar stroke of full time to hit the golden point and the boys hit the golden showers smelling like sweet victory and asparagus. 33-32. And... Finally, 
If you told me 70 points would be on offer at the foot of the mountain clash between Penrith and Canberra, I by golly I would have bet on it. As the back and forth Rock'em Sock'em Robot style Sunday ticket was just the ticket to cap off a week of orgasmic football. Panthers coach Anthony Griffin got to soak it up the wind for about 37 minutes as he was sent packing by Gus the Snail. But what while contract to 2020, the joke's on them as he will wipe his tears with Chris $100 notes. Panthers 41, Raiders 30. Back to you boys in the studio. Ah, uh, Hobart. Welcome back, Hobart R. Brown. That was uh, that was relatively soft core. I like the way he did what it. he can do. He's but, very um, clever. Preemptively got onto those those swear words. I didn't think that us. the seagulls could ever be called the semen, but <laughs> fucking whatever, Hubes. <laughs> Hubes knows what's up. That's the end of a great show. Really good I show. Said great. I, I couldn't fucking. One. I couldn't. I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't not say great. Um, before we sign out, if you're looking at the tail end of this show and you're on your phone. Look us up on iTunes, subscribe, find us on Facebook at Off The Bit, uh, search in your just search bar of Facebook. Uh, you can follow our group. If you don't have iTunes, you can still get absolutely absolutely, absolutely every show that comes on. So, uh, or swipe right on our Tinder page. Yeah, yeah. The boys. <laughs> Into that group thing. <laughs> We're out of it. On that bombshell. See you next week. Cue the music big time.